Welcome to Here's Teresa on Talk Zone with your host, Teresa E. Keeves. Teresa is here to inspire and educate you with heartwarming stories and informative conversations from a national and global perspective. Now, here's Teresa. Good morning, good morning, good morning to all of my fantastic listeners out there. This is Teresa E. Keeves, your host for Here's Teresa, broadcasting on the GreatTalkZone.com internet radio. And I'm filled with so much gratitude, um, as always, listeners, but all the time. And I appreciate you all out there as you are listening to me today, uh, wishing you the best and that I wish happiness and safety for all of you out there. And in addition, one of my most profound prayers is that all of you are doing good in your lives, regardless of what is unfortunately happening in our world right now. Remembering that nothing lasts forever but God's love. We are going to have a, a great uh, conversation with um, um, mental health therapist, Reginald C. Campbell. I'm going to be bringing him on here Um you know, somewhat early, but I want to say um, that, you know, listeners, there's so much going on um, right now in our world. And it is my hope that as you are listening to the discussions on my broadcast today, that I can bring you some light, some laughter and enlighten or broaden, enlighten or broaden your thoughts to positivity, pondering over, you know, with your family and friends as we are still, unfortunately, in a global pandemic with seemingly no answers or conclusions to when it will greatly diminish or having a safe vaccine in production or the virus leave this planet entirely so we can continue to embark on our lives as we wish to do. I know that I have said this in a number of, um, you know, my programs, you know, but we must keep hope alive because without it, we have nothing to look forward to. There are a number of items that I'm gravely concerned about, listeners, and one of them is that we, you know, as we are approaching the end of this catastrophic year, 2020, changes are profoundly needed. There are a lot of people who are satisfied with the status quo. Should that be how they feel, then that's fine. However, there are also people who are not satisfied with the status quo. They do not want to see the same things happening in our country. And to me, they are the positive movers and shakers that keeps us from being stalemate, instituting new ideas for the present and near future for human being lives. Another thing I'm gravely concerned about is that what have we learned this year? This year was and still is filled with our, with, you know, with not only catastrophic times, listeners, but sad, stressful, and adversarial times, racism, police brutality against people of color, you know, rising sickness and deaths from the global pandemic that we've since learned could have been prevented if the right directions was given to the citizens of this great nation from this present administration in the United States of America. Um, although... There is truth in what I just stated, listeners. But I want you to know that in every adversarial moment or moments, event 
or events, action or actions, therein lies with these, these therein lies within these trying and difficult moments, detailed teachings that we can or will, if you're open-minded, to propel and invigorate our innate learning mechanisms that will show you the necessary lessons to be learned in order that the negative, repetitive human behavior that we are seeing in these present adversarial times will not continue to be the norm for human existence because the simple fact, listeners, that learning lessons, vital lessons, gives us the necessary tools and wisdom to not waste our important commodity, which is time for repeating adversarial moments, events, or actions. For all of us who are in tune to historical facts, We have been through police brutality against people of color, not just recently, but for hundreds of years. We have witnessed and been through racist actions in this country, unnecessary wars, where there are a lot of human uh, human life that is lost. You know, and why are human beings consistently repeating the same events instead of learning from them, instead of moving higher up the rung on the ladder of learning? Have you ever wondered why, listeners? Is contentiousness and adversarial behavior really running amok in our global society? And human beings think that this is the way to be instead of being loving and kind? I just wonder, and I'm sure a lot of you do as well. As we are approaching the time for this country, deciding another president, I'm asking that you all vote, whether it's in person, early voting, or if you are mailing in your ballot. This is a vital moment, listeners. And as I said before, vote as your life depends on it, because it does. I'm also suggesting that you are all fully awake and cognizant and educated regarding the realisms that are associated with this voting process for this year, 2020. For not only who's running for president, but also for your state and local candidates as well, as this is an extremely important time for all of this country's citizens to embrace realisms, knowing that if you want to keep getting what you are getting, then keep doing what you are doing. We are all in this together, listeners. What affects one affects us all. Personally, I am advocating for change because enough is clearly enough. I am going to bring on my list, my uh, guest right now, listeners. He is the world's best mental health therapist, and his name is Reginald C. Campbell. Good morning, Reginald, and thank you for being on my show today. Good morning. Good morning. It's always a pleasure to uh, to be here. Yes, it is always. It's, it's a good thing when you wake up in the morning and I tell people this, if you say nothing else, thank God for you knowing who you are, where you are, what you are and what you need to do today. Be grateful. Always. Okay, Rachel, I want to I'm kind of deviating from what I wanted to talk about in the beginning, but um, we're going to 
you know, we got a lot that I want to get through today. And I just want to talk um, for, you know, a moment about the outcome of Breonna Taylor um, case. Now, um, I, um, you know, I know that there are a lot of attorneys and, um, and or people who are attending law school, such as myself, and when they said wanton endangerment for all of us who um, have been, um, who are, you know, criminal, criminal justice um, uh, majors or, or, or law students who are studying criminal justice, we fully know what wanton endangerment is. We know that it is a class D and we know all of the elements that are within wanton endangerment as well as class D felon. Um, was it a surprise of the outcome to me, listeners and Reginald? No, it was not a surprise. But I was hoping for a better, <clears throat> excuse me, outcome. Um, you know, um, it, it's just, you know, I'm just wondering, you know, just, you know, with as we are embarking on another um, election, Reginald, you know, I'm just wondering, like, when will um, human beings ever learn anything, you know? So what are your thoughts, uh, Reginald? Um, you had told me that um, you were listening to some commentary from Brianna Taylor's um, attorney this morning. Uh, could you share some of what you were listening to um, with uh, me and my listeners? Yeah, yeah I caught uh, Mr. Crump, Benjamin Crump, the uh, interview with uh, Joe Madison uh, this morning. And mm-hmm. um, uh, it was a very interesting um, uh, interview. I have a lot of respect for Mr. Crump, and there's definitely a lot of respect for, for, for Joe Madison. And, um, you know, they were just uh, talking about the details and everything about uh, about the case. And, um, um, you know, the mo- amount of money that was, that was awarded to her family uh, because of her death. And it's, it's, you know, basically it's just a shame that this had to happen. It's a shame how they filed, how they being the police filed false police reports on, on Mm -hmm. the, you know, what should, which I understand. I mean, you, you know, I mean, I don't know, I'm not an attorney. You can talk about this more so than myself, you know, but, but I do know that filing a, a false police report is a crime uh, in, in itself, you know, of, of filing mm-hmm. a false police report. Mm-hmm. And just the amount of lies that they, that they told uh, regarding her death and how, uh, you know, they attempted to cover up and change and sham, um, you know, what happened, the, the events of, of her death. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, you're speaking earlier. Was I was I surprised that something like this happened? Unfortunately, no. And and that's mm-hmm. the sad part that we're not surprised. Mm-hmm. There's a list mm-hmm. of people. George Floyd. Let's just let's go for this year. Um, mm-hmm. So unfortunately, I, I I wasn't surprised. It's it's a shame. Um, you know, I can't imagine what the family is going through. No amount of money can bring their beloved daughter, sister, aunt, friend back. You can't replace that precious life with, with any amount of, of money. 
And um, I, I heard an interview earlier last week of people, you know, asking should the family accept the money, the money that was awarded. Uh, mm-hmm. Like, duh, yeah, of course they should, in my opinion. But again, it's not going to bring their, you know, beloved loved one back. No, it isn't going to bring the loved one back, but um, it does give them um, more um, availability to keep um, fighting for justice um, for uh, their daughter, um, for example, if that is what, you know, they they choose to do. And I I don't know the family, um, but um, I I bet they are going to use, um, you know, uh, some of these resources out for that. Uh, filing the police report, there are repercussions from that. But, you know, once again, they, they seemingly think that there are no repercussions. Um, my thing is, um, listeners and Reginald, is that this is just going to be a continuum of more contentiousness um, in in our country. Now, um, having lived um, um, some life and um, um, having um, been awake in my life, and <clears throat> excuse me, and in tune to historical facts in my life, um, we've had terrible things that happened. <clears throat> excuse me, that happened in this country. And um, but you know, um, there has, you know, with all of the craziness of, of of things that has happened in our country, I think that this is definitely one of the worst times. Um, you, you know that the, of things that have happened, events that have happened in in our in our country, and um, I, I'm just going to say that um, things were you know things were not um, all um, lovey dovey when um, President Barack Obama was in office um, or uh, when the Clintons were in office, but they weren't nearly nowhere as bad as this. And I'm just saying that, you know, we need to be, as people, more cognizant of what we do, what we say, and what we think. And as I said before, from a spiritual and common sense basis, um, that's very important. Um, You know, a lot of this did not start until that thing in the White House got in there through the Electoral College. And this is why it's very important, uh, you know, about voting, as I did mention in my beginning talk, um, you know, to my listeners about the importance of voting, you know, voting as um, though your life depends on it, because it it does. So I I want people to know um, that um, there are varying ways for you to get out and vote. Don't listen to all of the rhetoric that you're hearing about, um, you know, uh, he has his little minions out there. Notice I said little minions out there because there's more people for righteousness than not um, that that are going to try to, um, um, you know, start crap with people who are, um, you know, who are waiting, uh, waiting in line and things like that. Don't pay any attention to any of that. Um, you just get out there and do what what it is that you need to do which is to make a change because if you're sick and tired of being sick and tired, one of the best things to do is to get out and vote your, your conscious. You understand what I'm saying, Reginald? I mean, absolutely. I mean, that's the way 
um, that's that's the way to make the change. Is mm-hmm. is get out and vote um, mm-hmm. because you can't continue with this mess. You know, mm-hmm. and not have four more years of 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 this mess. And um, you know, over two hundred thousand souls have been lost through this coronavirus because of mm-hmm. non-action by this by this man. I mean, mm-hmm. those souls, two hundred over two hundred thousand families have lost mm-hmm. loved ones, and that's solely on him. But the mm-hmm. other day, stands there and talks about we did a great job, we did a success. This is so successful. I mean, this is, this is, it's just sick. Yes. You know, yeah, I'm, I'm sorry to interrupt, you know, but I'm just trying to make a lot of use of our time. Um, There was a a CNN report and I sent it to you this morning and listeners there, this this is report on CNN is dated today, 92320. And it was a conversation between Rand Paul and um, Dr. Fauci. I'm loving how, um, and it was a video. I'm loving how Dr. Fauci is seemingly has, is putting his foot down because he's tired of people pointing the finger at him as though it is his his responsibility or it was his causations for all of these deaths that we have in this country. And, um, you know, it, it was that Rand Paul was like he was chastising Dr. Fauci regarding the devastating amounts of deaths and infections from this virus in this country, Reginald. And Rand Paul needs to go and sit down with his unknowledgeable ass. He's not an infectious disease specialist. Neither is he listening to what Dr. Fauci is saying or has said about this disease from the onset that individuals such as Dr. Fauci have stated or are still learning about this disease, Reginald. So, you know, we as intelligent human beings do know this, all right? He was talking to Dr. Fauci about, um, you know, well, you know, you said that, you know, if we do this or we do that and none of that is working and, you know, what is he talking about? We as intelligent human beings do know this just from listening to the varying reports that have come across um, the, the airwaves, large gatherings coupled with massless individuals, or let's say you do have on a mask, regardless whether they are inside or outside equals disaster. Okay. It equals disaster for people contracting this serious disease. Now, this uh, Rand Paul was comparing this country, Reginald, to Sweden. And, And he was saying that they've done little and have less deaths and contamination of this virus. You know, I'm paraphrasing. So we need to remember, listeners, that the Sweden Sweden leadership did not waste their most precious commodity known as time by belittling this disease in the inception of being told about it. The leadership of this country called it a hoax. The Democratic Party made this up. Oh, it's only one case. It will be gone by itself. We're we're looking at it. And the other, and let's not forget the recordings of this person in the White House, Reginald, you know, saying um, of, of his intentional 
acts of downplaying the seriousness of this virus. You know, the Bob Woodward um, interviews listeners is what I'm talking about. And in those interviews with all of the other insensitive uh, commentary, the reckless statements and the stupid things that are on recording from, you know, this person in a White House has resulted in what we are now unfortunately having to deal with in this country. You understand what I'm saying, Reginald? Yeah, um, and, and and actually, um, you mentioned Bob Woodward's book. I received his book and Michael Cohen's book yesterday. Uh, ordered mm-hmm. them days ago. And in, in, you know, listen, Rand Paul is a fool and a coward. Uh, okay, Donald Trump mm-hmm. is a fool and a coward. Mm-hmm. And how there and how this has you know they want to point the fingers at Dr. Fauci. They want to point the finger at 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 the Vice President Biden. Their, their, Vice President Biden is not in office yet. Thank you. There was nothing he could do. Mm-hmm. Donald Trump just a couple of days ago stood there and said in, in a rally that this disease doesn't, doesn't affect young people. He said <laughs> it, 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 it's practically... What a you know, This practically doesn't affect anybody. Yeah. I, I know... Darn well, there has to be some people in that audience who has known someone who has either passed away from this or has been sick from it. Exactly. And and, exactly. and, and for them to stand there and listen, you know, it's 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 cultish it's, behavior. It's, either. Yes, it's it is. Sick, mental cultish behavior. As can the we old say Jim? Goes, can we say Jim Jones? Go ahead. And, you know, as the old saying goes that, you know, your savior is, is when your savior dies for you. Uh, 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 religion is when your savior dies for you. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, you die for your savior in a cult. And that's exactly what, what, what this is. And the amount of misinformation that Trump and the Republican Party continue to just put out there. Is, is a crime and, and it's sick. And mm-hmm. after he's removed from office, him and these other people from, from Rand Paul to, to Mitch McConnell to all of them need to be put on trial for war crimes because this is exactly, sick. this is definitely cult behavior. Um, Whoopi Goldberg uh, in one of her interviews last week, um, on the view and, um, and I totally agree with that. It is a cult behavior. I mean, for all of us who know or all of us, uh, of all of you who don't do not know about Jim Jones and how he had the I'm going to call it original the lurism. OK, of, um, the, you know, people, uh, 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 you know, you know, listening to him and and then got suckered into going over there to Africa only for him to give them poison and kill all of these people. They didn't see any of that coming because they were so ingrained in this cult behavior. You know what I'm saying, Reginald? So it was very, I thought it was an excellent comparison of Jim Jones to Donald Trump, okay? And and speaking of that, um, uh, listeners, um, I don't have this in front of me, but you all out there are smart and, and can go in and look this information up. 
But what like what uh, Reginald was saying about, uh, you know, because I heard it, too, about this person in the White House saying that young people are, you know, he was saying, thank you, young people, for that strong immune system, you know, and uh, the people now from between the ages of 18 to 21 are the ones who are being devastated by this virus. So go on reputable websites such as, you know, you, you can research the scientific websites, you can go to the CDC, and you can go and look up this information. I'm just saying all of this because I'm going to move on to get to discuss something else now um, that, you know, I, I took a lot of time, you know, saying what I'm saying because I'm very passionate about wanting people to understand the um, importance of getting out to vote, Reginald. I want them to understand and listen and pay attention. Wake yourself up. You know, I don't care if you got to put some cold water on your face. Wake yourself up so that you can be a realist and actually see what is going on. I mean, this is is heartbreaking and it's is sad and and I have to take a deep breath. Okay, Reginald, let's move on. Um, since um, you know, we've we've been on the air, we've lost some um some great icons, and I would like to pay homage uh, to them. Um, first one is that I would like to um, pay homage to Gail Sayers of the Chicago Bears. He transitioned um, at the age of 77. And this is a report from the Chicago Tribune by Rich Campbell and Fred Mitchell on 9-23-2020. And some of the points taken out of there um, is that he... Um, they said that he was like poetry in motion, that he that his life would never be seen again. He had a a years long decline in his health uh, that included um, dementia. He was born in Wichita, Kansas, and he was raised in oh, um, oh, um, in Nebraska, Omaha, Nebraska. And uh, they said that he was one of the most agile and elusive ball carriers, you know, and um, he was just a phenomenal person. The other person that we um, that has transitioned is George Biggs. Um, he was a, a, one of the remaining individuals that the Tuskegee Airmen recognized uh, by Congress. He transitioned at the age of 95. And um, he uh, was a, a, a citizen here in uh, Arizona, uh, in Nogales, as a matter of fact. And he... Um, joined the precursor to the U.S. Air Force, which was known as the U.S. Army Air Corps at the age of 18 in 1943. He said that he wanted to join Reginald when he was 16, but he was too young. So he also said he did not want a position as a cook as he had joined the military. He requested a position that would allow him to see combat. And this is where he ended up being uh, placed um, in the Tuskegee uh, Institute where black men were uh, trained to fly, um, facing decades of discrimination. Um, that was, uh, you know, another great pioneer. And also um, Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Now, she and Thurgood Marshall listeners play both an inspirational part for me wanting to you know, embark on a career in law. One of the main reasons that it was important because of, I admired them, uh, listeners, because of how they championed for justice 
you know, for the citizens of this of this country. Now, Ruth Bader Ginsburg, they said that uh, this is a report on NPR by Nina Totenberg on 918 at Staten Park that the Demir Firebrand, who in her 80s became a legal, cultural and feminist icon, she transitioned last Friday. The Supreme Court announced her death, saying the cause was complications from the static cancer of the pancreas. Um, the court in the statement said that um, Ms. Ginberg uh, transitioned at her home in Washington, D.C., and she was surrounded by her family, and she was um, 87 years. Chief Justice uh, John Roberts said that our nation has lost a justice of historic nature. We at the Supreme Court have a have lost a cherished colleague. Today we mourn her, but with confidence that future generations will remember Ruth Bader Ginsburg as we knew her, a tireless and resolute champion of justice. Architect of the legal fight for women's rights in the 1970, Ginsburg subsequently served 27 years on the nation's highest court, becoming its most prominent member. Her transitioning will inevitably, in, inevitably set in motion what promises to be a nasty and tumultuous political battle over who will succeed her, and it thrusts the Supreme Court vacancy into the spotlight for the presidential campaign. Just days before her death, as she strength, as she uh, warned, waned to her granddaughter, Clara Spencer, that her most fervent wish is that I will be replaced until I will not be replaced until a new president is installed. Now, having said that, Reginald, let's go back to when President Barack Obama wanted to install his choice uh, for Supreme Court justice. And um, the Senate gave him holy hell about it. So let's talk a little bit about that. Do you feel that it is right for them, them meaning the Senate, and you know who I'm talking about, the hoo-hahs there, to be allowed to replace um, RBG as we've known her as? Or should they wait because we are so close to another presidential election. What are we like, 39 days or something like that until another, um, you know, until November 3rd? And um, what, do, what are your thoughts on that, Reginald? Well, the behavior of, of Mitch McConnell and Lindsey Graham and the, and the rest of, of, of these uh, Republicans is just simply hypocritical. But it's mm -hmm. not a surprise. It's, it's, of course it's not. not. A surprise to me, you know, I mean, anybody who is surprised by this, please wake up and stop being surprised. Um, <laughs> so they, you know, when they they would not even meet, uh, Connor would not even meet or schedule hearings for uh, Mary Garland, uh, mm -hmm. President Obama's uh, choice. I mean, for over a year, mm -hmm. wouldn't even wouldn't even give him the courtesy of of, of meeting. Mm -hmm. So this seat should not be filled. Uh, the Democrats need to grow a pair and do whatever they need to do mm -hmm. to block this nomination. Mm 
uh, Chuck Schumer needs to stop standing up there looking silly, talking about how we should, uh, how, you know, he's hoping to work with Republicans on this. Chuck, really, really? Mm -hmm. Uh, Susan Collins and Lisa Murkowski, they support everything. They stand in line with the Republicans, don't believe this stuff that they feel that we should wait. They Mm -hmm. said that all, they always say that. And then what do they do? They fall in line with, with impeachment and, 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 and everything else. So stop Mm -hmm. believing what Susan Collins and Lisa Murkowski said. Stop falling for, stop drinking the Kool-Aid. I mean, it's just ridiculous. Yes, it is. And we don't have time for this crap because this is very serious. It's like, you know, it it is so, I'm telling you, our lives depend on this. Now, I just want to read a little bit from here's what happened when Senate Garland's Supreme Court nomination. This is by Eric Bradner, CNN, on 9-19-2020. He says in part that the death of Supreme Court Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg less than two months from the presidential election has forced a re-examination of Republicans' 11-month blockade of Merrick Garland in 2016. Exactly what you were talking about, Reginald. Senate, 11 months now, Senate Majority Leader the turtle said in a Friday night statement that um, that thing in the White House nominee to replace Ginsburg will get a vote in the Senate. Doing so would be a complete reversal of his position in 2016 when the GOP led Senate refused to hold a hearing or vote on then President Barack Obama's nominee, saying it was too close to the election. Well, here you go, listeners. This is what my brother was saying. Okay, too close to the election. And I want the Democrats in the Senate to bark that down their voices constantly. It's too close to the election and we are not going to have it. Period. And 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 once again, um, like Reginald was talking about the the two women, um, uh, Murkowski and um, um, Collins. Um, really, how many times do we have we known for them to be turncoats? And by the way, Reginald, this thing in the White House that slaves built is tooting. He thinks that he's going to be getting some points or whatever. He's so delusional that he's choosing two women. And no matter what, I'm going to choose another woman to replace her. You know, I mean, really, really? Did you hear about the two women, Reginald, that he is talking about? Um. <laughs> putting up there for nomination. I'm like, yeah, right, whatever. Your comments, Reginald? Uh yeah, it it's uh, uh it's a it's it's well, I was gonna say it's a joke and I'm not gonna use that term because it's not a joke. Um you know, these 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 people should not see, see what what they're trying to do is 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 get someone who's in their forties so they can sit there for the next God knows how many years. How long? Uh-huh. You know, so even after they have gone, that they're, that, that they're still trying to keep this ugliness and mess in the country long after they're gone. 
So all of this, I mean, that's that's why this is this is such sick behavior. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's your figure. Even after you're gone and you're no longer here, you still want to continue to have hatred out there. You still want to take away a woman's right uh, to 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 choose what she does with with her body. I mean, it's mm-hmm. it's, it's just it's ridiculous. Yeah. It's ridiculous. You know. Also, um, another important thing that uh, this gentleman said in his article is that Justice and, um, Anton Scalia, who had been a conservative stalwart on the Supreme Court since being nominated by then-President um, uh, Reagan in 1986, transitioned on February 13, 2016. Now, within hours, as other senators were offering condolences to Scalia's family, the turtle issued a stunning categorical rejection of Obama's authority more than 11 months before the Democrats' replacement would be sworn into office. He said the American people shouldn't have been a voice in the selection of their next Supreme Court justice. Therefore, this vacancy should not be filled until we have a new president, says the turtle. So once again, I think that there should be commercials and whatever, Reginald, as we talk about a lot, that the Democrats need to be saying these things in their commercials to educate people on, okay, now, no, you said when President Barack Obama was in that there should not be a selection that the people should have a choice in who they want their Supreme Court justice to be, which they should have. So then let the people have their choice. What's good for the goose is good for the gander. You know what I'm saying? Since they want to be childish. (laughs) <laughs> What's good for the goose is good for the gander. That this should, that you know, nothing should happen until another president is in um, office, and that's and that's all I have to say about that. Any other further comments, Reginald? No. Um, Democrats again just just need to get out there, and uh, you know you have you know you have to remind people. You have to continually say these things. You can't say it once and then it's done. No, you have, you know, it's like working out. It's like building a good car. The reason why, you know, the Ford F-150 or whatever is a great thing because it's been doing this over and over and over and over again for 40 something years. And And that's how you have to do when it comes to a campaign. That's my ideology when it comes to a campaign. Do it like you're building a good car. Do it like you're, uh, you know, like you're training for for a heavyweight championship fight, you know. And then the last thing I'll say about this, you know, about approaching this like it's a heavyweight championship fight, that you don't go in hoping that you're going to win this championship by points. You go in to knock the dudes the hell out, okay? So there's no if and and buts about it. And this is the same way that the, that the, the, uh, the Democrats need to approach this election. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Exactly. So, all right, let's move on to another topic. And that is, let's talk a little bit about the upcoming debates, Reginald. The upcoming president debates. Uh, listeners, there will be three of them with one vice presidential debate before the November 3rd election. The first election, I'm sorry, the first debate will be held on 929 at the University of Notre Dame in Indiana. The replacement date for the second debate is at the Adrian 
Arst Center for the Performing Arts in Miami on October 15th. And the final debate is set for Thursday, 1022 at Belmont University in Nashville. Now, the vice presidential debate debate is scheduled for October 7th at the Kingsbury Hall on President's Circle at the University of Utah, which is on a Wednesday. So for all of my listeners who are interested, I just gave you the information and please pass it on. Now, for me, Reginald, it's going to be interesting to see how they set the stage regarding the guidelines regarding COVID-19. And... Um, because of the pandemic, it is obvious that the, you know, people's patience have been worn down, although the death toll because of the pandemic is near 200,000 in this country. So I just want to, you know, I'm interested to see just how they're going to, how they're going to, um, you know, handle this with, you know, with, um, um, this thing in the white house and, um, um, you know, uh, Biden, as they're going to be uh, debating. You know what I'm saying, Reginald? It it would be nice if it was an outdoor, <laughs> outdoor held um, event um, because it's it's safer, I would think. But um, so now, do you think that this is obvious? But I'm just going to ask it. Do you think that we will see some tempers flare between either of you know, uh, Biden and this thing in the White House, remembering how disrespectful he was to Hillary Clinton moving about the stage. He was trying to intimidate her. And it is my hope that the moderator or moderators maintain decorum. So what are your what are your thoughts on this? Yeah, I I think, um, well, well, first of all, there's not a lot being said about the upcoming debate. That's 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 the first thing, you know, for me. Uh, the second thing, I, I think it should be done virtually because of because of COVID. Uh, third, hopefully there will be some tempers uh, that 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 some passion and passion and compassion will be will be shown. But here's the thing about that: what the media is going to do, the same way the media did with Al Gore against George Bush. Oh, he mm-hmm. acted this way. You know, he he rolled his eyes and 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 he said blah blah blah. You, you, you know, and and so the mm-hmm. media is going to jump on that that silliness. If mm-hmm. if uh, Vice President um, um, uh, says something and and he's and he's passionate about it, or, or you know, they're 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 going to jump on him about it. Mm-hmm. But yet, Trump has said ugly, racist homogenous, anti-feminine, anti-women things for the past four years. Well, all of his, but, but the past four years, and, and he'll get a pass. But here's mm-hmm. the thing, you can't even worry about that. You can't be concerned about that. Because mm-hmm. I believe what uh, President Obama said when he was running for the first time, hey, if you're going to vote for me, you're going to vote for me. If you're not, you're not. But mm-hmm. I'm going to do what I need to do, and I'm going to be who, who I need to be. Um, mm-hmm. so, so I'm looking forward to it. Um, mm-hmm. I think there should be more than one vice presidential debate. There's always one yeah. vice presidential debate, you know? Yeah. I think there should be two at the minimum. Yeah. Yeah. I'd like to see two, but you know, you brought up a very good point. No, they are not talking a lot, um, about the, uh, the upcoming presidential debates. 
Um, but this is why I'm saying, um, talking to my listeners and hopefully, and I get, you know, a, a, a good amount of listeners and I appreciate you guys who are following me and, and listening to me. I really appreciate that. Then I want you to go out and tell these other people and other people will tell other people because it's very important. Um, I do believe, Reginald, um, that you, that, that, in, that as we're uh, viewing this, this debate, that we're going to see Joe Biden at his finest, because remember, he is a debater, okay? Um, and then you will also see this person who's temporarily in the White House. It's not going to be good for him either way. You understand what I'm saying? Because, like, let me let me just say this. When Hillary Clinton was debating him in the, in the you know, the debates when she was debating, I wanted her to be, I'm, I'm a big fan of Hillary Clinton, so don't go saying, oh, she doesn't know I am a big fan of Hillary Clinton. However, I'm just saying that I wanted her to be um, more aggressive mm-hmm. in her in her stance and how and how she handled that. For example, um, the moderators did not um, keep him in in. Okay. They allowed him to move from his post and all of this kind of jazz. They sh- that should not be. So therefore, if you're not going to maintain decorum as a moderator, then I'm going to maintain decorum about me. And I would have said to him, do not walk about around me. You can walk about the stage if you want, but don't walk around and about me because you do not intimidate me. This is how you have to handle the devil. You have to let him know that he does not and will not ever have a one-up on you. You understand what I'm saying? And he was only doing this because it was a woman and he felt that he could intimidate her. But she should have, you know, snapped that ass like a Black Panther. Okay? That's all I'm saying. All right. Let's move on. I do want to make a comment that some people are still refusing to wear a mask as advised by Dr. Fauci, Reginald. We, you and I talk about this a lot, about the ill-fitting mask and people not wearing a mask and all of that. And the CDC and other health specialists, care specialists in the field of infectious diseases, you can find through research listeners, these aforementioned specialists that I just spoke of talking about the potency that is affiliated with wearing masks is the most vital tool that we have presently to diminish the virus strength from being passed on to others and being passed on to you. Although it is being reported that the number of deaths and infections have slowed a bit, emphasis on a bit in this country, it does not and or should not give rise to individuals that the vigilant stances such as wearing your mask, washing your hands, and practicing social distance be minimized. Your comments on that, Reginald? Oh, oh, absolutely. These are things that, you know, wearing a mask, I mean, come on. Uh, Was it last week that these people in, 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 in a Target, you know, uh, walking around telling people that they should take off their mask, you know, some uh, late teenager, early 20 l- 
20-ish looking uh, tights, about eight or nine of them. Um, mm-hmm. you, you know, these, these kind of things are dangerous. You know, mm-hmm. wear a mask to protect yourself and wear a mask to protect others. And it's just a shame that it's been politicized. Um, that, that's one of my main things, that, you know, wearing a mask, doing something that's so simple that could, uh, you know, protect you and protect others has been politicized. So, Yeah, and it's been politicized to the point where it's like it's a joke or whatever. I just want to say, you know, um, uh, to my listeners that, you know, I've talked about this before, uh, Reginald, um, on, on, this, on my program and about wearing making sure that you are wearing your mask properly because I don't want any of you, whether you're my listeners or anyone out there, to become infected by this disease. Now, number one, and I'm sure a lot of you can can attest to this, I call them the bouncy mask, meaning that people will have on a mask and it's bouncing up and down their face as they're talking and they're, you know, taking their hands and they're constantly adjusting it and things like this. Um, that is not, that is not, that is not giving you any protection. Okay. So if you see someone with a bouncy mask, or if you have a bouncy mask, you know, just, just, you know, listen to what it is I'm saying. You don't have to, but I'm just saying, um, the other thing is that when you see people with just a mask around their mouth, I've talked about that before. Um, the thing, the purpose of the mask is to cover your nose and your mouth. When you see, um, and many of you have looked at medical shows and seen um, these uh, doctors, be it, be it um, a, a real um, instance or if it's being, uh, or if it's a play on television or whatever, that the surgeons, the people who are portraying the surgeons, or if they are actual surgeons, their nose and mouth are covered. They do not have their noses out. Because they want to protect themselves and protect the individual that they are operating on from getting whatever and vice versa. So it's important to be sure that you and your family are, you know, uh, addressing this because it is a big issue, particularly that, you know, we're coming up on fall with the flu and all of this other, you know, um, uh, viruses that 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 um, are, you know, are heightened you know, in during the during the fall time. That's all I wanted to to say. Okay. I I I'm running out of time as usual. <laughs> okay, Reginald, I want to talk a little bit about why should everyone understand racial trauma right now? Who wants to live in a society where so many people routinely experience racial trauma? This is a report by Rebecca Ruiz on 827 2020 Mashable. She's a Mashable news reporter. She says racial trauma is what happens when a black man like Jacob, uh, uh, you know, Jacob Blake is not is, is shot seven times in the back by a police officer. It's how a black person's heart and mind may seize upon seeing the video of a recent attack in Kenosha, Wisconsin, or reading about it in the news. They may feel increasingly jittery, exhausted or numb, fearful they or loved one will meet the same fate. Like with any other mental health issue, naming racial trauma helps lessen its stigma for people who might otherwise feel weak or paranoid. Similar to post-traumatic stress disorder, race-based stress produces high vigilance and a familiar set of symptoms, including increased heart rate, 
higher levels of stress hormone cortisol, disrupted sleep, and irritable bowel syndrome. An extreme incident like being shot by a police officer can create racial trauma, but so can a daily onslaught of microaggressions like being tailed by a store employee while shopping, being mistaken for cleaning staff when you're a senior partner, and being told you're articulate. These range of experiences can set off the body's fight or flight system to varying degrees. Yet unlike in many cases of PTSD, which stem from an isolated event, the stressor that triggers racial trauma may be ever present. There is no escaping it. Your comments, Reginald? Yeah, it is. Um... You know, as, as as you were saying that, I was I was just thinking of um, you know a, a a guy who I was talking to a few weeks ago who talked about how when he went into a store, how he was being being followed and 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 watched, uh, and he had mentioned um, how that had happened to him um, when he when when he was a teenager um, uh, uh, living in living in Detroit. Mm-hmm. And so all of these things have, you, you know, have 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 happened to to people of color, mm-hmm. and you know, and 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 if you haven't if you haven't experienced that, if you haven't lived it, you you have no idea how how that makes you feel emotionally and the mm-hmm. emotional and cognitive toll that it can have on an individual. Exactly. Now, it goes on to say the answers to that question are becoming clear. Black people in Kenosha march in the streets because they refuse to accept the persistent threat of discrimination or violence in their lives. Allies who march with them see the injustice and put their bodies on the line in their defense. People who support the cause from afar understand that racial racial trauma is unfair and untenable. While racial trauma is not a defense or justification, listeners, for destructive protesting tactics seen in Kenosha and elsewhere, it does provide context for such anger. Okay? Mm -hmm. So, you know, I'm just saying that people need to be more um, um, cognizant of, of, you know, these things. You know, you hear this administration saying Things like, you know, oh, they're rioting or that. No, they're protesting. Mm-hmm. They're not rioting. There is a difference, as I have explained in my recent broadcast. There is a difference between protesting and rioting. You know, mm-hmm. you don't have to listen to me. You can go just check out, you know, Mr. Webster. He'll <laughs> it, it's explained right there. You know, what is the difference between protesting and then go and pan through and look at, you know, look up rioting? What that means. Um, people, yes, are angry and rightfully so, you know. So, you know, the last thing about this, it says, is Comas Diaz co-edited a special issue of American psychologists on the subject of racial trauma and healing last year. The question before America today, she says, is who wants to live in a society where so many people routinely experience racial trauma Mm. it's it's very sad yeah it's very sad so um yeah it's a good piece 
if any of you um, care to, um, um, you know, listen to it. Now, um, I, I want to say, you know, speaking of voting, you know, earlier in my broadcast, I have um, more information regarding early voting and, you know, in-person voting. So you can contact your county listeners or your state's governmental or go to your state's governmental website and ask for a ballot for early voting and then upload the areas where you can um, place your vote. They have a whole list of where you can go starting October 7th, which is just around the corner. And, um, you know, where you can go um, to, you know, to get your to take your vote, take I'm sorry, take your ballot in personally, like a lot of you, uh, such as myself and my brother and and my husband and other family members, we have expressed that we don't want to mail our our ballots in, that we would prefer to walk them in, you know, um, uh, that will give us uh, more of a psychological ease knowing that here it is and you got it, you know. And um, they, yeah, you know, and they will mail it to you, you know. And so just, I just want you to know that this starts um, on the 7th of um, of um, October. Okay. So I want you guys to, like I, like I say, chop, chop, you know, I want, I want you guys to be very um, uh, vigilant about this because it's very important to vote. Thank you, Reginald, for being on my show. Of course, I have um, <laughs> run, run out of time. Um, thank mm-hmm. you, listeners, for, for listening to me. Um, um, I know that my broadcast may have been, uh, my broadcasts, I feel, are always uh, filled with, um, um, you know, enlightening and educational uh, discussions and, and uh, materials and reads. And um, it wasn't um, any jovial, jovialness um, um, in, in what we talked about this morning, but um, just know that it was all, you know, good. And to all of the uh, families of uh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg and um, uh, uh, Gail Sayers and uh, Mr. Biggs, um, I know that your loved one is now with God. And, um, you know, and they want you to keep on keeping on in the things that you need to do for your life and the family that they have left here. All right. I will talk to you guys uh, next month, most definitely. Um, along with um, my brother, the uh, mental health therapist, the world's best mental health therapist. You guys be safe out there. Be kind to yourself. Vote, vote, vote. And this is Teresa E. Keys. Make it a fabulous day. <laughs>